another episode of the Behind the You podcast. We are with Canes women's tennis coach Paige Yeroshuk. Twos, Paige, thanks for doing this. Well, thank you for having me. Of course, 26 years at the school, 22 years as the head coach, and I, I guess we'll start here. Another successful season, so to speak, a year ago, but at the end, you made a comment essentially that, well, I'm not going to settle. Still not good enough. We have another push to make. So where does that mentality stem from? I mean, I just think we have more in the tank. I think, um, you know, at the end of last season, we accomplished a lot. And I think that we overachieved for the most part. You know, I, I love what I do. I love trying to bring the best out in these kids. And um, I truly believe like the sky's the limit, right? I wouldn't be a coach. I wouldn't be in this business as long as I am if I didn't truly believe that. And gosh, if, if our program last year could get to nine in the country, anything's possible. And it's kind of why we wake up every day and do what we do. So in the off season, I assume that next push is top four. I assume it's just a championship. I mean, I assume that final push is win it all. I can't imagine you'd want to settle for anything less. So in the off season, are you someone that kind of like sits there and stews over the steps in the process for the program to get there? Or are you just kind of like, let it roll? I mean, obviously we, we talk about, you know, the, the steps and the, and the process and what we need to improve upon and what we're doing well and what our strengths and weaknesses are uh, as a program and as individuals, you know, but, but there's also a big part of me that does just kind of let things roll and, you know, try to just focus on teaching these kids to try to be the best that they could be. You know, last year, last year, somebody told me a stat, like towards the end of the year, you know, they use UTR in tennis to um, basically, they say it's, you know, deci decipher levels. And of the top 25 schools in the country, our UTR, if you would believe UTR, would say we should be the 24th ranked team in the country. And we were the ninth ranked team in the country, you know, so with that just being truth and with that being fact, you kind of have to let things roll and just work hard and really try to come together as a program and play for each other. And like, there's so many pieces, right, to success. And yeah, you try to focus on a lot of them, but you know, you learn over the years that maybe some are a little more important than others. And, and I think over the years, you know, some of the ones that a lot of people think are important, I might tend to disagree with such as come on such let's as, probe we're gonna probe here a little bit listen such as such as rankings such as resumes coming into school like um you know yes on on one hand they prove to be very powerful and and tell a lot about a player but ultimately the player's commitment to the coach and the player's commitment to the school and the player's commitment to the program in my years and in my career have proven to be the most important piece of the puzzle so you know, if you could find a great player, a highly touted player with an incredible resume that also has that commitment and dedication to the coach and the team, amazing. But uh, if you have to pick one, choose the commitment and dedication to the team. How long did it take you to figure that part out? It, it, it didn't take me very long, honestly. It didn't take me very long. I think part of the reason is because I was probably the kid that growing up was kind of the chubby kid that had to work really hard. <laughs> So like I had to be committed, right? Like if I wasn't committed, I didn't have much, but, um, you know, I, along the way, I've had a lot of pretty cool lessons and examples put in front of me as a coach. And yeah, I mean, over the years, I could give you story by story of, of where Let's just hear a couple, give me a couple, give me a couple examples. I had a young lady, uh, years ago when we upset the university of Florida, when they were the number one ranked team in the country and they were undefeated and we went up to Florida 
And uh, she was a freshman for me and she was in the deciding match at, at the University of Florida. She sat in my office on her recruiting trip and she had a calf that was like completely atrophied because she had had an Achilles injury. And I had an orthopedic surgeon at the time tell me this kid will not last four years. You cannot bring this kid into your program. And she sat across from me and she said, if I don't come to the University of Miami, I'm going to quit tennis. Like, I'm not looking anywhere else. This is the only school I'm looking. She was from North Miami Beach. And I had a feeling that this kid's commitment to, to Miami, not me, not my program, but like the school was something you don't see a lot in kids. You know, they're going to quit a sport if they can't come to your school. And uh, I took a chance on her. And she was kind of the first story. You know, she was in our deciding match. She, she won 6-4 in the third to take down Florida that year or the next year. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've I've got so many stories that I could I could keep you up for a couple of days. Sometimes these no, they haven't, we haven't we've gone hours. We haven't gone days. We haven't <laughs> gone hours. We haven't gone days. Well, so that Florida, that whole Florida story, actually, in getting ready for this, there was an amazing article written that basically deciphered that whole run. And I actually want to tackle a lot of that because I found a lot of that story interesting. So, but we're gonna put that on the side uh, for just for for a second. So. How do you decipher? So you just mentioned, you know, this this freshman very basically explicitly communicated her commitment to you. But in the world of recruiting and trying to figure out who will be committed, have you learned to kind of decipher that? You know, it's always a little bit of a crapshoot. You know, you never you never truly know. I mean, but there's some things that I try to look at at kids coming in and I try to figure out, like, you know, are are they honest? Are they, what's their track record? Are they respectful kids? I mean, honestly, I look a lot at how they treat their parents. How do they talk to their parents? I feel like I'm going to get talked to and spoken to the same way. There's little kind of, kind of maybe weird things that I do. And I try to figure the kids weird, out. Weird? Like, or like a little like Q&A? Like you got a little setup? Is there a set, is there a volley? Is there like a serve and volley? Like what do we got? No. A verbal serve and volley? What do we got? Listen, I don't think there's any, you know, setup necessarily, but I, I like to spend a lot of time with them and I and I like to kind of try to get to know them and how they speak about, you know, their their family, how they speak about their coaches, how they speak about any teams that they've been on. Um, and listen, I, I'm far from perfect, but, you know, for the most part, I think that I've had incredible, incredible athletes come through this program, incredible people. Have you shied away from someone who maybe you saw that was amazingly talented or extremely good. But when you had those conversations, you're like, something's not going to be right here. It's not going to work quite often. And I think that over the years that it's, it's, you know, will I ever know? Not, you know, no, but I think over the years that it's, it's worked to our advantage to um, make the decisions that I've made. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. So when that international um, exploration, I guess, how did that begin for you? Like, what had that door opened to you as, hey, this might be a way for us to take advantage or build? When I when I first got into coaching, I was I was struggling to really land like the top Americans. 
And so I, I figured, you know, hey, a, a good way is is to go and try to get these top tier internationals and try to kind of have more of a mix on your team. And it worked. And, uh, you know, it's something that's stuck over the years. And I would think now the city that we live in, right, the city is beholden that description, right, just from the people that come here all the time. I imagine that's had some ben- continuous benefit to you as a, from the program building standpoint. And not just the city, the city, yes, but also the school, right? It's a very diverse campus, very diverse school. And I think that when you bring internationals on campus, they feel very, very at home, very comfortable. You might, you mentioned about what, you know, what you do, why you do it, you know, getting people to play. Stella Perez Somariba was on the podcast and then getting ready for this. She said something interesting, which was her ability to instill belief in me. How important is that for you as a coach with all of your players that forget the ability, the belief that they have in themselves is an overwhelming power and strength? Listen, that's, you know, when I when I hear that, I, I that's I mean, it's special, right? That's that's what I do. And it's a special part of the job. It's a tough part of the job. It's something that I you know, I believe in, I believe in these kids so much, whether they're Estela Perez Samariba or they're the number eight player on my team. I believe that athletes can do so much more than people in general, not just athletes can do so much more than they ever, you know, think possible. And to be able to go on these journeys with these kids for four years and, you know, maybe my belief in them and me helping them instill belief in themselves along with their like incredibly hard work, you know, equates to like some pretty special kids and moments and years and careers. And it's just fun stuff. I would imagine as much as getting someone, you know, to work on their game forehand, whatever it is. Right. But I do believe having been around sports, you can see that you can see a change right from insecurity and uncertainty to belief and confidence I imagine that is as enjoyable and challenging for you as almost anything. As anything it's, it's to me, it's, it's more challenging and enjoyable and rewarding than any ranking than any win than any forehand backhand. And, you know, that's the most enjoyable thing to me when I could help someone find that in themselves and, and then help grow that. Right. And then see when they then bring it, you know, and, and pay it forward because I have a lot of kids, you know, that are paying it forward now. And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty special. I don't know if you're, you're you might be born. I know you might be raised. You might be born. Born and raised. Born and raised. Killing. And by the way, I was just before, you know, I, I was killing a little time here before the podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> but I was watching, uh, my son was playing flag football last night at what is formerly Kayland, now KGB, but that's your park. Like of course. You're, you're a purebred Kendall Kayland kid. That is my park. <laughs> that is my park. I played so much softball and soccer there. And yeah, best so, way and all. Exactly right. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know how I got sidetracked in it. But oh, so you grew up there. You grew up here, played tennis here. And then you went off to UCLA and your coaches at UCLA impacted you the way you try to impact your kids now. Or what kind of impact did they have on you? Let me, let me put it that way. You know, the biggest thing that they gave to me when I went to school was, um, I was, I was just very, in terms of an athlete, I, I think I consider myself, I was very like blue collar. I, I played softball. I played soccer. I played tennis. Tennis was something like my mom and I did on the weekends while the boys played baseball. And it was like, just, we were taught how to be competitive, 
We were taught the importance of hard work. We were taught the importance of, but we weren't like, I wasn't one of these kids that was like tennis. I didn't have all the training that all the other kids had. Like I was a little raw going into school. And when I arrived out at, at UCLA, I was like totally blown away. Right. I was mean, there, like, was, I there, was there an oblique moment where it was like, oh crap. Like, well, the moment was when I was assigned a locker in the in the women's locker room and this woman came next to me to open up her lock and her nails were like five inches long. And and I said to my coach, I said, my God, whoever has their locker next to me and I explained what her nails look like. And my and my coach looked at me and said, Paige, that's Jackie Joyner Kersey. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, I thought the woman like looked familiar. <laughs> and, and so like that was the beginning of my, you know, I would call home and I would tell my parents, I was like, I don't think I'm good enough to be here. Like I'm surrounded by all of these greats. And my coaches really like made me believe that I could do great things there too. And that, you know, these are the necessary qualities. Like, we believe in you. We think you have what it takes. And I trusted them. And before I knew it, I was like, I was doing just fine. Make this the day your life changes. The all new UFIT gyms has been created to give you exactly what you need to accelerate your fitness results, including state-of-the-art equipment and a new cross-functional turf training area. Enjoy personal training as low as $35 and new small group training classes, including HIT Plus. Take it to the next level with personalized nutrition from Eat Love, along with anywhere, anytime access to UFIT on demand with over 1,000 workouts. Reach your goals faster at the new UFIT gyms. So there's a little bit of you and your players. There's a little bit of me and my players, definitely. Sometimes I listen a little better than some of them do, though. <laughs> you listen? <laughs> wait, back then or now? Uh, I think maybe back then too. I don't know. You mentioned a lot of your philosophies, but if I took you back to early Page, if you look back at that coach, do you what kind of what coach do you see when you started? That's a good question. I I think I was um, I think I was actually a lot tougher than I am now. I was Are you getting more, soft? Dude? Tell me you're getting soft. I don't know if I'm getting soft, but I, I think that, you know, with the years and with different experiences, you, you know, you learn that there's different ways to, there's different ways to skin the cat and what might work for one might not work for another. I think, you know, I've learned many more coaching styles where I, as I think like earlier on in my career, I was more one dimensional. And I think I've I've opened up to, you know, different ways of coaching, different ways of coaching, different types of players. I'm sure the you know, players have that, changed too, right? I'm sure the sport, the player, everything's changed. You've kind of had to change. I would imagine there's been had to been some modification as well. You've got to keep changing, right? You've got to keep evolving. Like kids are constantly different. Situations are different. And yeah, I think that, you know, we always have to be ready to evolve as well. Did you want the job? Like, is this what you wanted? <laughs> I definitely wanted the job because I was being tested. We had an administrator that basically had said kind of in passing that he never thought the University of Miami could be like a top 15 program in the country. That's the wait, wait. So that's the person in the article. It said you were trying to prove him wrong, but (laughs) that part was left out. So that's who you were trying to prove wrong. That administrator. Yeah, there was like, I mean, it wasn't like that was my main goal of the day, but it it helped. It helped. helped a little bit like I, I was appalled that we were at the University of Miami and there was an administrator that was like oh Miami can never be top 15 in the country and I was kind of like wait Miami is like the tennis mecca of the United States like this is crazy and uh 
I mean, that was that was a little motivation. You know, some other motivation is just that it was it was my home. It was kind of where I grew up, you know, learning to love tennis as a kid with my parents. I felt like there was kind of something missing from the program that needed to be brought back. So it was kind of a combination. All right. So that that'll lead us to that. This UF story. I think this UF story is super cool. That's year what for you? Year three? I think you're three, yeah. You're three. So th this story, actually, I, I whoever wrote the story, because the byline wasn't on it, did a phenomenal job of encapsulating this this whole little run uh, and sort of what it meant for your program. You know, it's year three for you. You have some power. So maybe you should say, how would you analogize what UF tennis was then? It, it, the way it was explained, they were just an ultimate juggernaut. And maybe they still are, but at least back then they were crushing everybody. Crushing everybody. I mean, Florida tennis was, you know, winning national titles. They were uh, never losing a home tennis match. It was Florida, maybe Stanford, you know, but nobody else really at that time. They announced that, that you're going to play them, right? And first, I'm going to get back it up a little bit because you have a, your star <laughs> player is a transfer. Megan Bradley, right? And And as the story goes, when she was training down here, or had her opportunity to go off the car. She lived down here. You didn't even recruit her because she was too good. Like, like she's never going to come here. Is that, do I have that? Well, okay, back up. So the that's what it was written. That's okay. what was written. So we are going to confirm or deny yeah, yeah, yeah. or okay. reshape so, every so slightly. Right. So I trained Megan for the 18 months, her last 18 months of high school. I was approached by her family to train her. So I was training her. Her last, I would say 18 to 24 months before she went to, to college. And she was like the best player in the country. She went to Ransom Everglades and, you know, and I really connected with her. Like she was a great kid. Miami at the time was 30 in the country, 32 in the country. And UCLA, my alma mater, is recruiting the heck out of her to go to <laughs> UCLA. And quite honestly, at the time, I thought that that was probably where she belongs. I was helping her and she was doing great, but a kid like that, I just felt like she deserved to be a part of like a, let's say a better program. Also, one of my closest friends is the coach at UCLA. So I felt like, you know, it wouldn't be the right thing to be trying to recruit. Long story short, she goes to UCLA. She's rookie of the year. She has a very good time. She is completely out of shape. She calls me and she says, I got to get out of here. So good, oh, good time was not on the, well, maybe it was on the tennis court, but it yeah. sounds like that was more so off the tennis court. Yeah, I think, you know, she was experiencing her her, her college life and yeah. got a little away from, you know, some of her focus. It happens to the best of us. It happens to the best of us. It happens to the best of us. And so uh, she called me and she said she wanted to transfer. And, you know, I, I had a, an incredible relationship with her. Back then, the transferring was kind of a little different than it is now. So she and didn't put her. She didn't put her name in the transfer portal back then. Yes, uh, no portals back then. And I basically just told her. I said, "Hey, listen, I can't talk to you about this, but I'd love to have you." And a week later, the paperwork came through that she wanted to come to Miami, and um, that was kind of the moment that our program started changing. When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes. 
and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! And she was different how? Obviously, we've already said she was a great player, So, but she was different. Her personality was different as well, correct? Her personality, she was like a... Uh, if there's Paige the coach, and then there's kind of like a little minion of, of myself, she was like the minion. I gotcha. Yeah, she was like, she was my girl with, with my ideas, and she believed in everything I had to say, and she really wanted to kind of help me put the program on the map. And so, you know, each year we were sent to Florida because we were 30 some odd in the country and they were one. And so we had to make this drive to Florida and they would, you know, kick our pants off of us and send us back to Miami. And it was like, before the announcement came out, I got her in my office and I said like, hey, I want you to know this is how this is gonna go down. This announcement's gonna go out. Everybody's gonna get super upset and depressed and have a look on their face like this is the last place they want to go. And kind of these are the things you need to do if we're going to have a chance to get this done. And she did her job, and that was like the beginning of a pretty cool moment. So she does what? But Her job was what? Her job was to guarantee her team her point and try to put belief in these kids that, hey, we've got 25% of the match won. Who else is up? You know, who else wants to guarantee a point? Because look around the room, we could put points together, we could put points on the board. And uh, she did just that, you know, she she kind of lit them up a little bit. She guaranteed the team that she was going to bring in her point. She asked other kids who were going to bring in their point, And we got to three points. Okay. <laughs> so and what do we, we need? To, we need how many? How, we need how many? We need four. All so right. we, were, we were a point shy. So we got to three points. Pretty confidently, I felt pretty good about the three points. Everybody else was kind of like struggling a little bit with confidence, you know, not where they really wanted to be. We finally got one one other young lady who was from Hammond, Louisiana, to put her hand up just because I think she wanted to. And she was friends with the rest of the group. And would you believe that it was those four kids that brought in the points? Wow. And it was led by Roland Thornquist, who's he's still at Florida. He still has the article up in his office. And he says he still uses it as a reminder because he said that he has never seen in his playing days or his coaching days anything like that night at Florida. Like what Megan did, the way the courts were situated, she was in the middle court and she wasn't just like playing her match, but she was like playing everybody's match with them. She was just a lion. And she, you know, you talk about belief. And she made her teammates believe that they could do something that they never thought they would be able to do. And so, I don't know, I imagine that the selection process is announced and it's, I don't know, within the week, probably you're up in Gainesville, right? I would imagine it's a, right, like most, that week of practice or leading up to it, was there a different energy around the team? Like, when did you kind of have a sense like, it might be different, it has a chance to be different, the kids, the belief is carried over, right? This, this, to, you know, to take these guys on. We had a very interesting night that that night that the announcements came out because we were just finishing a yoga session <laughs> and, we're, and we were finishing a yoga session and our you're yoga. You're way, look, how I had it. look, you internationals, you're doing yoga like 18 years ago. Yeah. Like, look at what it's, what's next. You got any tips on the investments? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? I wish we were finishing up a yoga session and our yoga instructor decided that he was going to stay. 
because he, he loved us and he loved the girls and he knew what was going down and he had been with us for a few years. You pull so him aside too? Like, Hey, listen, buddy, come here. <laughs> I, I decide, but he kind of saw it all going down and crazy enough after it all went down and everybody kind of guaranteed their points and Megan said what she had to say. And I said what I had to say, he came in with a, he thought we should like have a moment of meditation. Oh, interesting. <laughs> It went from like a very, uh, a very like powerful, I don't want to say aggressive, but like energetic, like moment to right. like, a very, okay, now we're all just going to like be together <laughs> and we're going to think about what we just said. <laughs> and, then we, and then the next day when we came back, yeah, it was different. Actually, it really was. It was like everybody showed up, whether we were kind of pretending or not. But we were planning on winning this match. Like, that was the plan. The plan was we had a mission. We were going to win a match. And we just started living that way and talking that, that way. And and what do you know? We won the match. And you got up there. And, and how does it go? Like, roll it out for me. So we win the doubles point, And we won the doubles point like 7-6 with, like, one of my players hitting a ball, like a tweener between her legs. Like, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. So we win the doubles point. We're heading into singles. We have to win three out of six. Megan is first player off. Stacy Stevens, the, the girl from Hammond, Louisiana, was like third player off. It comes down to, at the end of the day, it ended up being three all. And this is a very funny story. So it ends up being three all with Audrey Bignata, the kid from North Miami Beach, who said that if, if she didn't come to Miami, she wasn't going to play college tennis. So she's a freshman. The stands at Florida are packed. They're doing their whole gator thing in our face. They're trying to intimidate. Match is three all. My assistant coach is coaching the match. The number, it was number five singles. And, you know, typically in tennis, like you, you don't stay with one player the whole year, but like you coach one player more than you coach others. So he had been with Audrey the entire season, my assistant coach. And he walked off the court. And he went and got me and he said, you know, this match is yours. I'm not, I am not coaching the last set of this match. And I said, what are you talking about? You've been coaching her the whole year. And he said, I'm not coaching the last set of this match. This is three all. You're coaching the last set of this match. So we kind of went back and forth. And who was going to bring in the match? In the and middle of the match. In the middle of the match. It, I mean, <laughs> We were between Wait, sets. Paige, I asked you earlier things you learned that you would change. This should have been right at the top of the list, right? The mid-match argument to, to knock off the top seed in the tournament. Listen, this was one of those things where it was hysterical looking back because he didn't think she was listening to her or to him. He didn't think that the player was really responding to him the way he wanted to was his story. But the real story was he didn't want the pressure of the match <laughs> on him. Okay. So that's the real story that didn't come out until kind of later. Okay. But needless to say, I took the match and uh, brought it home. You were the closer. You did your job. And, and this kid was, this kid was incredible. Yeah. And we asked for the match because her parents weren't able to be there for about five years and Florida never gave us the match because she wanted to show the match to her parents and we were never able to get the oh, match. Like a, like a copy of it. Like a copy of the match. 
Like we 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 still to this day have not seen a copy of the match. Isn't that wild? That is wild. And then he did a little something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of, I guess, you know, this swag is a swag is a sort of a, accompanies the University of Miami. You, you went and you took a little something from the Gators. Yeah, we had a little bit of a deal, and uh, I had to keep my end of the bargain up. Yeah. And so, what is this sign? What was the sign? What did it say? What? Why was it so important? Because the sign was about like, it was about Gator bait. And and it was something along the lines of like today's gator bait, kind of oh, you know, so meaning the, like the, the opponents opponent, right. coming yeah, yeah, yeah. in, you know, at let's say you know four o'clock today's gator bait. And we always thought that the sign was kind of like a little rude, but at the end of the day, we were the gator bait every time we left there, so there wasn't much we could say. Right. And the kids were like, "Listen, if we win this match, can we take the sign?" And I told him we could, and we did. And then I got what? a phone call. Did you hear this from? Uh, yes. I got a phone the call. The athletic call. director, right? Yeah, I was. I was a little nervous. But... Petrified, but he just. Yeah. But he, he called to congratulate you, right? The sign did. Well, the... Has it ever come up? The sign has that. I mean, the story is now. I mean, the sign did it ever come up? Anyone call asking sign for never, it? The sign never came up. Where's the sign? Do we have it still? Uh, I want to say possibly that that uh, Stacy Stevens, the one from Bamin, <laughs> I'm pretty sure she still has the sign. <laughs> It might be in her garage. And and of all things you celebrated at Steak and Shake? Yeah, but it, I mean, it was like, it was probably one in the morning. Two uh, in the, I don't know what, it was like, I yeah. So a couple things uh, in all seriousness. Number one, you have been very open about this, but I'd like to hear you say it again, that how important that was for the program, right? That that is as big a moment. You have said, probably other than winning a championship, that is the biggest moment in UM, for you, for you. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, to, to be able to do what we did, it was absolutely crazy, really. It really was. Like, with the kids we had, like, with the players, with the experience, I mean, the moment was – it was pretty unbelievable. And then Megan Bradley, the star, your number one tennis – I think you had a great line about her, but she basically said she's trying to change the dynamic, the mindset of the, of, the, of the team, right, because of who she was and where she came. And you mentioned before how she, you know, she went off to the top team in the program before she transferred. You said she, she was there to, you know, be her best, be the program's best, be your minion, so to speak, but she wasn't there to make friends. I love that line. Yeah, she really wasn't. And I've had very, I, I, I've had over the years, some of the special players that have come through the program have had had, have had some of those same qualities. But Megan was absolutely the first. And I think that Megan made it okay kind of for the next kids following because these stories, and let me tell you something, the stories continue, right? The culture continues. Team has to come before anything. And, you know, it's it kind of sounds a little cold, right? Like not there to make friends, like team comes before friends. You're going to find your true friends. Like when you start putting your team first and your team number one, and, you know, sometimes it takes kids a while to get there, but when they get there, it's pretty special. And I would imagine that, not that none of this would have happened. It certainly could have, but that certainly accelerated everything, I would imagine, right? Gosh, I mean, I I don't even know. Like, I mean, <laughs> if, Megan, if Megan Bradley doesn't transfer in, I mean, who knows? Like, I think it accelerated it. I think it would have been a, a matter of time, you know, before another great player would have seen, like, heck, you know, I can handle this coach. I can handle how she's, you know, how she is and how she's tough and how she calls us out. And but Megan really trusted me and knew me. And and it was 
you know, I think other people around the country saw like the relationship and saw how she developed and how much fun she had. And, and then you start having like great players kind of trickle in. Now you mentioned earlier, we were kind of joking, but in all seriousness, Kendall Kalen, cause I'm, I'm a Palmetto kid. I think you're a Killian girl. Uh, yeah. So this is our neighborhood. You know, your dad played baseball at UM, right? Like you grew up around the school. Like you live, right? Like your I literally grew up on campus. I spent, I can't tell you how many, right? I mean, baseball field, like chasing foul balls, you know, tailgating at the Orange Bowl, having beer spilled all over me. As a, as a teenager, right? Like that's the fun oh, part. Yeah. That's I mean, the fun tennis part. Tennis matches, baseball games, basketball games, you know, you name it. Like that's where we had so much of our just family time. That's what we did. Yeah, it was a cool little centerpiece. And then, so you're, you said you had a bro your brother played baseball, your dad played baseball at UM. It was sort of written that you you were you were played with the boys a lot, I guess. Uh, something like that. You were in the street, you know, you were playing baseball or basketball or whatever. You were in leagues at the park we mentioned about. You were probably playing with a lot of the boys. Is that correct? So is that sort of where your competitiveness or toughness came from? I think so. I mean, you know, I was always outside playing with my brother and we didn't have like a lot of girls on our block. We had like a ton of boys. And so, you know, I wanted to be outside playing with them. And so that's what I did. And luckily they included me and everything was good. Everything was good. <laughs> <laughs> Probably shaped a lot of who you are, I'd imagine. Right. I think so. Just the amount of time that we spent competing, right. Whatever sport it was, whatever we were doing, whether it was like seeing who could run the fastest, bike the fastest, you know, throw the fart. Like we just competed. That's what we did. And and that's what I think shaped me was just like all those days and just competing. So do you have a you must have a special place for kids who are like when you describe someone as a competitor, right, who just hates losing and loves winning and the passion for the sport and practice. And you must love those. Those kids must resonate. I mean, they, I'm sure they all resonate, but that must have a special place in somewhere love inside it. of you. Love it. And I, and I think that, you know, we're living in a, at least with, with tennis, we're in a society with tennis. That's like, you know, everything's about the stroke and the technique and the, and the strategy and the, well, I mean, Yes, but also like a very big no, you know, there's there's so much more that goes into to being successful on the tennis court than like forehands and backhands. You know, there's so many different ways to win points and win matches and lose points and lose matches. And that's what I find just fascinating, kind of the between the ears part of not just tennis, but but sports in general. I think that I, I find that fascinating. That's where like, that's where I love sports. Like it, if I go to, you know, a basketball game or a baseball game, like the strategy at a baseball game, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, I, I don't know. That's what I enjoy. Well, you, you, you mentioned a story about your dad. It was interesting in this point because I have two boys and we, you know, throw the ball around and this and that, but you were saying that, you know, he'd be hitting with you and he would, you know, whether it was a chip or a drop or a slice, it wasn't in the perfect spot for your you know, your sweet spot. Right. And it was like, you're like, dad, what are you doing? Like, you're not playing in my game. And he was like, one day you'll learn. It's just like, it's funny when I've been in the yard with my kids, they'd be like, dad, that ball was awful. Like you threw it over my head. I'm like, well, you think Tom Brady's like 42. If he doesn't not income. There's never an incomplete pass. Like the ball doesn't always bounce that way. And he said, it's a, a lesson you'll one day appreciate. And I, I found that uh, uh, I put a smile on my face hearing you recount that because that's true. Like you don't just, 
hit the ball to the, the sweet spot of the forehand and the backhand and make it all work. Just like I had a tennis pro t- tell me once in tennis that a lot of coaches uh, at that younger ages teach their kids how to win because they want them to feel good. But he would teach them the game, right? So like if your backhand's weak, it was all about the backhand. If you're losing, but long-term, they will be a better tennis player. So I mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that uh, that story you told. That's how we were raised, you know? And I, and I, at the time I, I like, I wanted to walk off the court and right. I think I did a few times because I was like, this is, this is impossible. You know, like, how am I going to get a rhythm? How am I going to get a, you can't know, work on my game, dad. Like what the hell? Right. And you know, his whole point was something that I talk about all the time, which is like, get comfortable being uncomfortable because as soon as you can get comfortable being uncomfortable, you got a shot. And whether that was, you know, with me on the tennis court or with my, I, I used to always go shag balls and my dad would throw batting practice to my brother. And and he went through the same thing with my brother, right? My brother wanted to groove, you know, he, and when my dad, my, I remember my dad, like, would just, just throw him garbage. To see if you're gonna chase. <laughs> like, you know, are you going to chase? Are you going to be undisciplined? Are you going to? And I don't know. That's just you don't see that a whole lot, even now, right? Well, you it's not like your opponent. Well, it's not like you're gonna like play a match against you know to win it all, and your opponents can be like, "Here, here, Paige, let me just put it in your. Let me put a. What do you? What's your strength? Oh, your forehand down the line. Let me just give that to you. Right, right. And and sometimes you know you don't get it when you're a teenager, and and but he he definitely taught that to us. That's for sure. All right, last two things. It's got to be pretty cool that it's you and him in the Sports Hall of Fame. Pretty cool. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, I, I missed his induction because I was playing and I was, I was competing in college, but you know, he was, uh, he was there for mine and yeah, I mean, look, I would probably say, right. That's probably one of the coolest things of, you know, of my career is to be able to, to share that with him and to, I guess the only father daughter so far in there and able to share that. I mean, a hundred percent, by the way, over 400 hitter, that's, that's the real deal. Yeah. You know, I never saw him play, but no, I, I, I didn't see him yeah. play either. But I'm reading that. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's like, you know, 280. That's a little, it wasn't 280, you know, it was over 400. That's, uh, that's something to celebrate. And then last thing. So this, we, we'll finish where we started, which is this last push. If you could hoist that championship trophy at the school, you literally grew up in as the place you've been almost your whole life. How, how fitting or sweet or fulfilling would that be? It would be very fulfilling. It would be very fulfilling. You know, I think I think that, believe it or not, you know, right now we, we, we're kind of coming off of a rough weekend. We're not really. Yeah, kinda I, weird- heard, I heard you inquired. Why does he want to talk to me now? <laughs> I just want you to know, was it it wasn't an immediate request page? It was just the, the, you didn't you didn't come off this weekend. And Josh Darrow goes, you know, this would be the, this is the perfect time to, to do this. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I. This this season and and Mark and and I'll guarantee this, but this season's gonna be a special season. I think we might have some hiccups before we get there, but I think that we're just getting stronger every day. And I know that sounds like a coach is coming off of like a bad loss and trying to be positive, and that's really not who I am. I'm very like kind of true. We uh, we're a, we're a special group of kids with a special group of talents. We've got kind of a lot to learn, and we care. And we've made some mistakes along the way, which is, it's great because, you know, it makes the end even that much more rewarding, 
but um, the group of kids that I'm coaching right now, they're, they're really a special group of kids. I'm telling you this season, this season, I've been doing this a long time. And I think that, that we have the ability to make this season a very special one, even though we are where we are right now. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. Paige, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for being here. We probably could have done that. Not about days would have been a stretch. We might have, we probably could have gone a few more hours philosophically, but uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking us behind the U. We're going to, we're going to circle back here at the end of the year and we'll, uh, we'll see if everything comes true. Okay, Josh. Thank you so right. much. Bye, Paige. Thanks. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Paige Eroshek-Tuz, women's tennis coach at the University of Miami on the Behind the U podcast.